Good evening, everyone. Welcome to GradCast, From Western to the World. This is a production of the Society of Graduate Students, and you are listening to the one and only graduate radio show here at Western University. My name is Nick. And I'm, I'm Nick's co-host today, Ariel Frame. Uh, here today we have our guest, is a friend of uh, both of ours in the neuroscience program, because I suppose we're all neuroscientists here today, uh, Kat Boucher. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Great. So why don't you start off talking just a brief summary of what you do here at Western, what your research is. What I'm doing here at Western or what my research is? Uh, <laughs> um, I guess we'll start with your, what your research is. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I also, you know, spend a lot of time on Reddit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, my research is how the brain changes following hearing loss. Um, currently, what I'm investigating is... Um, how deaf brains might respond to vision a little bit better than the rest of us. Okay, so we have hearing and we have vision. Why don't we start with just, let's just start with how hearing works before we go into hearing loss, because I, you know, I don't even, I don't study hearing. <laughs> so why don't you just break it down? What happens when sound enters our ears? Yeah, so basically, like, as you all know, they're different types of sounds. There are low-pitched sounds, there are high-pitched sounds. And each of uh, the way we can measure pitch is by frequencies. So low-frequency sounds, high-frequency sounds. Um, and what happens is as, as low and high-frequency sounds reach the ear, um, they get detected by different types of cells in the ear. And each of those different cells sends electrical signals to the brain and the brain can interpret these different frequencies. It can interpret loudness, it can interpret speech, and yeah, that's what the brain does. <laughs> cool, okay, so um, I guess, why would you think, it sounds like you're, like you're looking how it is hearing and vision intertwine. Mm -hmm. Where do they intertwine? Do your ears see somehow or like what's how why are why are those related <laughs> so the ears and eyes are completely separate um there's no mixing there but once we get to the brain um there's new research that suggests that there's no vision center and there's no auditory center but the whole brain sees and the whole brain hears um, so it's more so different types of neurons prefer hearing, prefer sound, and other types of neurons prefer vision. And these might be clustered in different places. It's a little bit more complicated and less clear cut, but... So what you're saying is that when you have, like, you know, visual signals coming into the eyes or, you know, auditory signals coming into the ears, those signals are somehow relayed to the brain, and then once they get to the brain, they're interpreted. Yes. Okay. So I've always heard in the brain that you have like an occipital lobe. So like one area that's like just for vision. Mm -hmm. And I've always heard that uh, hearing interpretation happens in the temporal lobe. And these are like classic divisions of the brain going mm -hmm. back since, you know, the dawn of neuroscience, really. Yeah. You're saying that that's not true? So the occipital lobe is primarily for vision, but we do find neurons that respond to sound in there as well. Um, so it's like we can, to generalize it, we can be like uh, the occipital lobe is like 90% visual and there are other types of neurons mixed in there too. Um, but 
it's a little bit more abstract than we us- than we previously thought. Hmm. So is there like um, uh, just this overlapping region, kind of like a Venn diagram of two lobes, or or is the distribution of like neurons that react to vision mm-hmm. that are in the hearing lobe, yep. so to speak, they're just kind of dispersed all over, and they're never they're not they're not exactly close to the the actual. Uh, vision lobe. Yeah, we could interpret the brain as a Venn diagram because there is a multi-sensory region that's commonly found in between the auditory and the vision centers. Um, yeah, that's found in rats, cats, monkeys. It's found across animals. It's probably could be localized in human brains as well. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm just wondering, like, I mean, maybe this is a answer, a question that they don't know the answer to. But why would you think that the brain is organized in such a way? You know, I mean, when you're performing your day to day life, it's not like you have like a half sight, half hear moment. You know, usually you say, oh, I heard this. I saw this. But you would never say, oh, I saw heard this or something. So why do you think that might be? The the easiest example I can think of is speech actually. I'm listening to you talk. And as I'm listening to you speak, I can also see your lips move. And as I can see your lips move and I can hear the particular, like the words that you're saying, it's actually a multi-sensory experience. Um, there's a, there are a lot of um, illusions. The, the most famous one is the McGurk illusion, where you hear something different, but the, but the lip movements aren't for that speech sound so you actually like you hear the word da but then the lip movements are for ta but then so you you actually hear ta even though you're supposed to hear da it's a lot easier when you like see it Mm, there's a youtube video for it (laughs) manipulate you can manipulate what people think they're hearing Mm -hmm. based on vision provided so you provide them some sort of sound, yeah. Uh, but because you look at you're seeing a mouth make a make what you used to see making a different sound, mm-hmm. it sounds it actually sounds to you differently. Yeah. Wow. Visual or hearing illusions. Yeah. Are there any other hearing illusions? Um, this isn't an illusion, but this is more, another example oh, of like multi sensory in our day to day life. Um, it's playing a musical instrument. You're hearing the input of a t- particular note. You're making a kin- You're making. You're touching the different like keys on the piano, or uh, the strings on your guitar. Plus, you're actually seeing your hands in that particular. And that's uh, interesting because, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, you are a musician. Yeah, correct? I am a musician. <laughs> yes. What What do you play? Um, I, I call myself uh like a woodwind, um experimentalist um I'm, pr- I'm primarily trained clarinet but i also play tenor saxophone oboe um i played flute a little bit but i'm not very good at it yeah. <laughs> i'll just like pick up a different instrument and just play cat of all trades uh. <laughs> <laughs> um uh so do you 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 just play um whenever you have a chance or do you actually go out and uh have a band or like do shows I used to play in a youth orchestra, and I've like jammed with a few um, ska punk groups, but I've never like stuck with anything too serious. Um, research takes a lot of time. 
<laughs> it does. Now, did your music interest um, kind of transition into your work in sound and auditory information? A hundred percent. So when you're playing in an orchestra, especially in the woodwind section, uh, clarinets are super loud, and then you're beside the bassoonists who are super loud, and then there's usually the brass section behind you, and they're even louder. So it's actually noise-induced hearing loss is actually super common in classical orchestras. And then I'm also into like punk and metal, and those concerts are really, really loud. Um, so like all my friends are a little bit deaf. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I naturally was drawn to, hey, how can I like make my friends hear? <laughs> awesome. And what 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 exactly? So I know that you're studying like this hearing loss, but what exactly, what is your research look like? Like, what do you, Yeah. what, what is you, your question? What do you do day to day? That's right. Yeah. My, well, like my day to day, the question that drives me into finishing grad school, getting a PhD is uh, right now in the brain, we have this particular region that responds to different frequencies. So part of that brain region will respond to low pitch sounds and then a different part of that region will respond to high pitch sounds. And following noise exposure, that brain region will only respond to low pitch sounds. The high pitch sounds don't get interpreted anymore. Um, and what I'm interested in is, are there any like extra, how do the visual inputs to that brain region change following noise exposure? Um, I'm interested in like uh, research and development of hearing aids and oral rehabilitation techniques um, and I think that um, seeing the seeing how the visual visual system interacts with that auditory brain region um, could be beneficial. Hmm. So you, you you were you ever actually at a punk concert and you were thinking, what's happening in the brains and ears of those around me that are now getting hearing loss? Um, it didn't happen like that. Um, it was more like, hey, I'm going to like learn more about this, visit audiologists, talk to different audiologists, different clinicians. And then from there, um, I realized that the question I'm interested in isn't one um, of prescribing hearing aids and giving hearing aids to people. It's more of a neuroscience question. It's more of a brain question. Um, so that's why I'm a neuroscience student. <laughs> no, that's, how, that's how you transition. So uh, yeah. before the show, you were saying how um, uh, some you know, neuroscience, you felt not as neuroscience-y uh, in your undergrad. Oh, no. <laughs> or not at all. Oh, no. So how was that, how was that transition, you know? So you're, you're a, ma- a master's student right now. Yeah. Um, how did you, uh, how'd you get to deciding this besides the passion for music? Um, so I actually found out about neuroscience and audiology through a music professor. Um, he used to work in an audiology clinic. Um, and from hearing about the field through him, um, I just read more about neuroscience and music. I networked with audiologists in the Ottawa region. Um, and it kind of like grew from there just by like by reading more and skipping classes to read more. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of like what happened. Um, most of my courses in undergrad were in like linguistics and philosophy and that kind of stuff. So, it was I had it was a very independent transition. That must have been really difficult because your research is very technical, isn't it? 
It is, but at the same time, I think having um, a high-level, more artsy, social science perspective is really important. Because at the end of the day, even though I'm looking at a brain region that responds to different frequencies, um, at the end of the day, what are those frequencies used for? They're used for speech. They're used for uh, communication. And communication, well, like you can't get like more higher level than that. Um, at least I don't think so. I think that uh, our ability to like speak and communicate with others is what makes us like human, like separate from other species. Um, and the way we commu- communicate accelerates our way to like develop ideas and produce things. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like I like how you have a really broad look at your at your field. You know, you see you're kind of seeing uh, seeing where it all connects and uh, how it all comes together. Yeah. And uh, uh, it makes me think about the part where you'd said uh, in development, you were interested in development of hearing aids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's like the applicability of it. And but then you decided, I guess, the best route to really target what you're interested in was to go the neuroscience way. But in terms of hearing aids, um, what what are what are the options for someone who is hard of hearing or completely completely deaf? What treat what is what is available right now? Right now, um, the the there are lots of hearing devices. Uh, the na- the main one that we hear about is the hearing aid, and what the hearing aid does is it amplifies particular frequencies and the particular frequencies that need to be amplified uh, differ from person to person Um, so it's almost like a personal amplification device to make certain sound louder Um, so that's what's most commonly prescribed there are other types of aids like bajas for example they're cochlear implants Um, but usually what like if you're like hey i have trouble hearing you go to the audiologist and the they prescribe you what is best for you um but like but everyone knows that hearing aids don't restore hearing um so that's another can of worms (laughs) yeah so i guess uh my idea that oh yeah yeah hearing 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 loss is pretty much cured nowadays can you just replace you know all the hearing stuff that's not really that's not really true people can't that's not get their hearing back no, uh, there are currently two ways um, that research is pushing towards. The first way is the cochlear implant. What the cochlear implant is, is an electrode that's implanted into the ear, into like the ear's organ. Um, and that electrode will stimulate at different parts of the ear. And it will either stimulate the part that responds to low frequencies or the part that responds to high frequencies. And that's how deaf people can learn to hear with the cochlear implant. Um, the other way that's not out yet, per se, um, is a pharmacological technique. Uh, oh. There are a few startups going on. The biggest one right now I think of is, um, is happening out in Boston. It's a startup by Charles Lieberman of Harvard University. And what he's look and what he's developing is a uh, pharmacological drug that could regenerate the lost hair cells the hair cells being the auditory cells in the ear that detect particular sounds um rogaine for the ears yeah pretty much it's either like cyborgs or i don't know what to even call that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean i guess 
in terms of the implant, if they if they go that route and they develop mm-hmm. that uh, better, then I guess <laughs> we talked about this a little bit before, and I wanted to get into it because I really like the topic, mm-hmm. is uh, the transhumanism. At one point, if you replace your ears, and then you replace your legs, and you replace your lungs, and yeah. you get old, and you just replace almost everything, what part are you what point are you not really human anymore and more mm-hmm. the devices that make up you? Mm-hmm. So that's like a philosophical experiment that's um, really common in philosophy of mind. Uh, we gen- like the first time I heard about it is uh, my professor explained it to me as the ship of thesis. So as a ship is torn apart and like rebuilt, at what point is it a ship of something else or is it still the ship of thesis? Um, so yeah, like at what point is a person still a person? Um, yeah, that, that, that is a really interesting question. That's you know, cool. when I think about this, like maybe this is my bias as a neuroscientist, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think of the uh, question of personhood, like what makes you a person? And yes, like part of your personhood is like the ability to like touch things and hear things. But to me, like the identity part and where everything is like, consolidated into a person I mean that's a very complex like thought Mm -hmm. right there is really the brain like that this is something that consolidates all this information and uh, you know when I think about in terms of hearing I think of okay you can have a problem with your like cochlea like that ear Mm -hmm. organ you talked about Mm -hmm. and you can go in and like put an electrode in there to you know, simulate hearing, mm-hmm. um, sorry, stim- simulate hearing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that way you can like repair that form of hearing loss. But I can also imagine that there's like he- hearing loss within the actual brain architecture itself that is not really repairable. I mean, you can't go into someone's like lobes and just say, well, we're going to take out your lobe and here's a new lobe. Yeah. Because there's all of these memories formed and connections formed. Mm-hmm. Is there like hearing loss that happens in there as well? Yeah, so um, there are audiologists that actually specialize in this. Uh, when the ears work okay, but the brain doesn't, it's called a central auditory processing disorder. That's as much as I know, though. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like, but it does exist that people can, like, hear okay, their ears work great, their brain stem works awesome, and then you get to the cortex, you get to, like, the, like, the big brain as I call it I don't know (laughs) (laughs) and yeah for some reason um information isn't integrating well Mm -hmm. and like they have trouble hearing speech they can't hear music they they can't make sense out of um from this like the signal to noise in the environment right oh is that like the uh um the what's that experiment where or the phenomena where you can like hear your name in a in a in a noisy room. Oh, the cocktail phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. Did you say what what is that? The cocktail. So like if you're at a you... cocktail party, uh, and you're talking to someone face to face, but there's all this sort of noise around you, ambient noise, and then if someone says your name within that ambient noise, you'll hear it, and it'll like jump out. Fun fact: the cocktail party effect isn't exclusive to humans. Oh, really? It's present in animals as well. Oh. Wow. Uh, which is super cool. I mean, do you, do you have any idea how they study that, or <laughs> um, I won't push it. I'm I'm pretty sure there's animal research about it uh, elsewhere, but I don't know of it. Cool. 
I mean, it's, it's I guess we're, we keep trying to study things more and more novel. I remember reading about a guy at UVic. I'm from, I'm from BC, so I was looking at universities there who studies deja vu. And uh, That's yeah, super I'm just cool. like, how do you mm-hmm. even study that? Maybe we'll have an animal model of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just such a yeah. seems like we'll find the deja concept. vu gene and uh, just knock out that gene. How amazing would that be? <laughs> I, I mean, there there are oh that that whole can of worms there. That sounds like a crazy topic, but uh, yeah, back to the hearing loss and you know how it happens. And now we know that you know you could have it at the ear level or the brain level, and there are uh, different ways of targeting that. Um, and we've got the drugs and the implants and whatnot. One thing that I guess we didn't talk about um, but comes to mind is how do people feel like emotionally uh, if they have a serious trauma and then can't hear or vice versa when someone has serious hearing loss and then they get like one of these implants or something and let's say it works very well. How yeah. Now how do they feel in a world where they can hear? <laughs> yeah. So actually... Um, uh hearing disabilities are highly correlated with neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. Um, so I f- when I heard that fact, I, I, I was kind of like, I wasn't surprised, but I was also like, whoa, taken aback because it makes sense. Um, people who can't hear um, all of a sudden, like from noise exposure or something else, um, it, it takes a very hard negative toll on them. Um, but then like if they're able to like hear again, usually through a hearing aid, like it's crazy the reactions I've seen. Um, some people are like, oh, I can hear again. Sweet. And they walk out the door. But then other people like I've seen people cry in the clinics. I volunteered in audiology clinics before. Yeah. You, you, you see all kinds of emotional reactions. It was kind of like, it was part of the job that was like, I was thinking of going to audiology, but then at the end I was like, nah, I don't want to. I'd rather like study brains now speaking of studying brains i we haven't actually asked about <laughs> what what exactly your research is like what your experiment is because we we you yeah. said that it had to do with like how hearing and and um seeing are related and mm-hmm. and when you talk about that the first thing i think of is the classic example where um you hear about someone who is blind and all of a sudden they or they have a better ability to like feel things mm-hmm. or even maybe hear things. Is that like what you're studying? Like, is your experiment testing that? Yeah. So actually, uh, deaf individuals and deaf animals have a heightened sense of touch as well. Oh, cool. Um, so I, yeah, that's cool. So what I'm currently looking at for my master's thesis is I am looking at how um, deaf animals see better. So that particular region that used to respond to very specific frequencies um, is called primary auditory cortex. And that's the first part of the brain that processes sound. Usually we think of like, you know, like the later ones, like region number five in the queue uh, receive, they might like interact with visual inputs first. Um, But I'm interested in, are there visual neurons in the first part? of auditory cortex. I want to see like when do those visual inputs come in into the system. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking at. So like So and how do you test that exactly? Like are you measuring like their neurons somehow? Yeah, so what I do is I put an electrode in the brain and I try to get it very very close 
uh, to individual neurons. And then I'm able to see if a neuron fires or if it doesn't. And when a neuron fires, you see an increase in uh, electrical potential, an increase in voltage. And you, and you basically you're 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 taking like groups of animals that I guess have or have not yep. had hearing loss, yep. and then are you showing them like visual information or something? Yeah, so I have like a monitor, oh, cool. and I'm present presenting a ton of different stimuli. I'm presenting right, flashes, right. gratings, checkerboards, um, and I'm tr- presenting a ton of different stimuli because, well, the world isn't one dimensional. Like there's like what we see is very complex. Um, so like that's, I'm trying to almost mimic that complexity with my stimuli. Um, so yeah, I'm presenting a ton of different stuff on a monitor and I'm looking at electrical potentials in the brain. It's pretty fun. <laughs> do, do you have to, I mean, I'm sure you have to control for sound now cause sound is like a, a big, a big part here. Do you have one of those cool rooms that are like kind of soundproof? Yes. I have a double walled soundproof booth. Um, Double walled. Is this like Double a next walled. level? Is it really silent next in there? Next level. The booth we're in right now is single walled. You actually have to walk in through two doors to get inside oh, my booth. This is booth. like some space station stuff. It is. <laughs> wow, cool. Do you ever study in there? I have before. <laughs> <laughs> the secrets. I have this before. is what you learn. I share an office with other people, and I was writing an article at the time, and I just like needed quiet time. So I went to a booth, and I finished my paragraph. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess my ears are quite sensitive to high pitch, uh, and so it's tough, tough to sleep. I guess I'm more distracted. Maybe I'm just like a distracted type. So like when I walk, if I've ever walked in one of those silent booths, I'm like, ah, it's like <laughs> amazing. <laughs> you know the, those booths that are supposed to be like extra quiet and people go crazy in them. I really want to go inside. Oh, and like set the, a record. Like the na- like the the. Haven't they gotten like negative decibel or something? Yeah, like I, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like re- there's like Guinness records for how long you can spend inside. That's right. Yeah. Like I want to do that. I want to break one. I challenge you on that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. I I think the the part that would be maybe a struggle would be the like not talking or seeing anybody. Like the room. Okay. Maybe I get used to the fact that it's that is quiet. But then I get up and be like, no one, there's no one to talk to. Like, what do you do? It's dive boredom. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Take a nap. Maybe, yeah, but I mean, if I had books and I had like Reddit, I'd probably be okay. <laughs> I'd probably be fine. <laughs> Set the record right there. Okay, so we are coming close to the end. And the last thing that we like to ask our guests on the show is, you know, if someone was like super intrigued by your work and they wanted to follow up with you, um, do you have any like social media or is there who, how can they contact you? And again, you can, uh, just reiterate if we hadn't said it before, uh, what lab you work in, who do you work with? I work with, uh, Steve Lomber. Um, I don't think I'm on the lab website, but the easiest way to contact me, um, is probably through my Instagram DM. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is, it's spelt like skeptical, but skeptical. Uh, nice. Message me on there. Skepticat. <laughs> All right. I'm sure people will come asking more about uh, about your work because it's super intriguing stuff. So um, I think we'll just finish up and thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to us. If you're listening on the radio, then you'll know we're on CHRW 94.9 FM, 6 p.m. every Tuesday. And if you're listening on the podcast, you'll know that we're available wherever podcasts are 
found. That's iTunes, Google Play, wherever that is. Newly, we're now available on Spotify. So thanks for listening there if you are listening there. We have a website, gradcast.ca, so you can go see our entire archive is on gradcast.ca, um, and it can you can just stream it there if you'd like. Um, so lots of ways to listen to us. If you want to come on the show, uh, or you have any questions about the show, really, um, you can email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Um, and a special event just for after this show it should be airing, uh, is Friday, October 5th. Uh, we're going to have a recruitment event. So if you're, you know, I'm not sure, we're going to email, you can come and meet us. Come and, come and hang out with us uh, at the Grad Club after 4 p.m. October 5th. Um, and we're going to be signing people up for, for the show there. Uh, you can also inquire about joining the committee if you want to be one of us, want to be a host. So come on out <laughs> October 5th. And I think that's that's our show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening.